Welcome back, everyone. This is Pete Thanos with Cameron Brooks. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to interview Kristen Kaur. Kristen is a Navy supply officer who transitioned to ExxonMobil back in 2014. She started a career at Exxon, or start, sorry, she started her career at Exxon as a senior procurement specialist, and then after about a year and a half, was promoted to senior business analyst. And then all, all the while, while working at Exxon, she also received her MBA from Rice University, Jones Graduate School of Business. She, now, Kristen recently made a career change and is now or about to start uh, her new role as an operations associate at McKinsey & Company. So in this um, episode, we focus on taking ownership of your career outside of the military, uh, and then she highlights things that are associated with that, like networking and being patient and managing expectations, and really cites those as the keys to her success uh, outside of the military thus far. If you are a transitioning military officer, or really just a military officer, considering whether or not a transition is right for you, I'd encourage you to uh, learn more by going to our website at Cameron-Brooks.com. You can also uh, pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America, which is available on Amazon. Okay, without further ado, here's Kristen. Kristen, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes out of your busy schedule to share with us about what you're up to professionally. Uh, nice to chat with you again. Hi, Pete. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to, to share my experiences if they'll help some other veterans um, thinking about getting out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, why don't we start um, with a little bit about your military background. Just kind of share with us what you did prior to making the transition in the Navy. Sure. So after college, I went to officer candidate school with the Navy as a supply corps officer. And from there, did my first tour on an amphibious ship out of California. Got to do a lot of really neat things logistically. And then worked for ComNav Surf Pack out of Coronado for a couple of years, too, as the um, executive assistant to the, the supply corps officer out there. Now, you've been, you've been out of the military for three and a half years. You, we met, at least at the career conference, we met at the January 2014 conference. So you've been working in business since March of 14. Um, think all the way back to the career conference. You, you went to work for ExxonMobil, but what other, you don't necessarily have to list out the companies, but what other kind of opportunities were you considering when you were making your transition? Um, I really enjoyed the the project management type jobs. I thought it was an interesting way to get into a more technical field without having that engineering background that a lot of people have that go into like a, a technical project management job. I also mm -hmm. really liked the um, the lean jobs. I was talking with Gallo Winery about being a black belt for them, and that just seemed really mm -hmm. fun as well. Sure. Now, why did you ultimately choose ExxonMobil? What, what was the some of the deciding factors for you? The company is a great company to work for, and it would give me an opportunity to really build some, some business skills in procurement and supply chain outside of the military and just build, build on top of what I already learned in the Navy while, you know, working for this, this great company with a really great reputation of taking care of its people and 
But ultimately, I think what, what drew me to Exxon the most was its culture. It is very similar to the military in that it's very hierarchical and process-driven. So it seems like it would be a really comfortable and easy transition from, you know, where I'd spent my whole life and career prior to that. You know, it's interesting. We we I get to have dialogue with people working, former military officers of transition or are working in business, and I hear that a lot talk a lot about that, you know, when people make a decision about where they want to work, what, you know, maybe something they're not thinking about on the front end of their preparation to make the transition is, is truly that culture and what they're looking for culture. And it's a little bit hard to define because, because everyone, you know, wants a culture where, you know, it's inclusive and, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, cross-functional and everyone gets along with one another. And certainly those are kind of big ideas culturally, but I think what, what, what you get to see when you go interview with a bunch of companies is you get to kind of see the nuances of culture. And you talked about process driven and hierarchical um, as things that, that you were particularly drawn to. Did you find that in other companies as well? And just so much more at Exxon or how did that play out? Very much more at Exxon. And I think, you know, a lot of it's because it's a very large engineering corporation so it's mm-hmm. kind of managed similarly to to the military, um, mm-hmm. and and every, every company is different. Um, like you, we have your private companies and your public companies that are run differently. Like with Gallo, they're a private company and in the wine business, so they're doing things a little more free and loose than than you might find at Exxon. And mm-hmm. you like like you said, you don't really see the the nuance of that until you go and interview with them and meet lots of people and really get to talk to them and see what's important to them and see if that kind of lines up with what's important to you. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that is a theme that we hear very consistently around here and and one that I end up matter of fact I just I was talking to a a, a navy officer earlier today and we were walking down that exact path. So um yeah, that's real helpful. Um okay, so when you made the transition you started as a senior procurement specialist. So what, what does that mean? Like describe for us a little bit about, you know, I'm, you know, fresh out of the Navy, walking into Exxon. Like what were you up to? What were you doing? What were you responsible for? Sure. So I was basically handed a portfolio of contracts for all of the process and water treatment chemicals and services for all North American refineries and chemical plants. And I owned those contracts and the relationships associated with them with both the clients at the ExxonMobil plants and with the suppliers who were servicing those plants and basically made sure that the clients got what they wanted and for a good price and that the suppliers were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Um, And, you know, as a fresh person coming, coming right on, to the team, I was signing like $50 million contracts for, for five-year horizons. So, you know, that was another thing that, that really made me feel comfortable was just being thrown into the deep end with a lot of responsibility right off the bat. Now, when you say it that way, yeah, and I want to explore that a little bit. And so when you say thrown into the deep end, um, you know, and it's kind of a sink or swim, you know, and I, I get to have this conversation a fair amount with folks and 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 that's kind of the way it is. Like, hey, you're a former military officer. You don't have any industry experience, but but you have a lot of other experiences as it relates to leadership. So here's how here's what we do. Here's how we do it. 
go and do. And I think most, not all, but most military officers find a way, just like in the military. You know, you, you weren't necessarily mm-hmm. trained exactly on how, you know, how to do everything in the military. You, you kind of figured it out and made some friends along the way and developed some processes, et cetera. But, but was it truly like, hey, sink or swim, here's what we do, here's your portfolio, go make it happen. Tell me more about that. I was really lucky with the, the support people that I had coming into the team that I came onto. Um, I was assigned an office buddy who was really knowledgeable about the processes and about the, the technical side of, of what we were buying, the, the chemicals and services. So she was very helpful and, and always willing to help. And my supervisor was also really supportive in providing me the help and, and support I needed. Yeah. Well, tell me, let, let's talk about your career path a little bit. So you did that job for um, about a year and seven months, and then you were promoted to senior business analyst. So w- what was the difference and what was that promotion like? So basically, as a procurement associate, I owned the contracts for a very specific set of products and services for a very specific geography when I got the business analyst role, that was within the same group that I had previously been working. But instead of just kind of focusing in on one area, I managed all of the analysis for the basically chemical company procurement. So I went a lot wider, but didn't get to go as deep as I would if I had owned the actual contracts. Um, which job do you feel like you were better at? The procurement associate, for sure. <laughs> yeah, why is that? I think it played to my strengths a lot better as far as, you know, the leadership skills and, and the relationship building skills that I learned in the military and um, mm-hmm. time management and really trying to, you know, hold people accountable and, and get what we needed out of the contracts and suppliers and clients. Whereas the business analyst role, I felt at the company was a lot of, uh, fluff analysis and unnecessary work that wasn't really value add. It was more of a lot of internal reporting and just making stuff up. When did you um, actually? Let me let me walk down this path for a moment. What did you do? Let's think back to that first year. So this is you know let's say midway, mostly through 2014. You're new to the relatively new to the company. What were some of the things that you did? Um, to establish yourself in the company, to establish yourself in the business world, moving from the Navy to Exxon. Because I think that's, and the reason I ask that is because I think that's one of the things that that a lot of transitioning officers struggle with is, um, uh, you know, making that huge industry leap and, and cultural leap a lot of the times. So what are some of the things you did to help you be successful? Um. Networking is is the biggest one, going out and talking to people, reaching for help, providing help as soon as it's asked, Um, basically becoming that go-to person that people come to for help, regardless of whether or not it actually falls in your wheelhouse to to provide that help. And so just really Mm -hmm. developing um, more patient uh, interpersonal skills than, you know, how we typically communicate with each other in the military. Gotcha. Now you have uh, you have recently left ExxonMobil and now you're at McKinsey and Company. And you did you even make a a geographic move? Are you out of the Houston area? 
Yes, I came back to Colorado where I went to school. <laughs> gotcha, back to Colorado. Okay, so tell me a little bit about uh, about your new company, and then maybe we can get into why you made the move from Exxon to McKinsey. Sure, so it's a big consulting firm, and I'm coming in as an associate that specializes in procurement consulting and supply chain consulting. So it is, mm-hmm. it's another step that will let me further build upon my skills and become more of an expert in this area and I'll get to do problem solving across industries and across companies with new and different teams and new and different geographies every three to four months so that kind of constant change and constant challenges and constant learning is what really drew me to McKinsey yeah gotcha Um, was was location a factor in your decision or tell me how that played out no, location wasn't really a factor, and McKinsey's a company with offices pretty much everywhere. So unless you're going in mm-hmm. for a very specialized role, like um, an oil and gas specialist, they can pretty mm-hmm. much put you in just about any office. So I got gotcha. to choose where I wanted to go. Yeah, is that right? Did they? Yeah, they mm-hmm. let you. They let you make the call. Pretty much, like they they offered me Houston. Dallas, D.C., and and Denver, and kind of gave me a wide swath of of where I could choose to go. Gotcha. Now, why did how did that opportunity come about? Did were they proactively reaching out to you, or vice versa? Did you? It was it a LinkedIn thing? How did it all play out? Um. Well, I started applying to jobs last January. You know, as I was finishing up my MBA at Rice, and was just really looking for for a change. Um, not a lateral change. I really took that advice from you guys pretty solidly <laughs> and um, was looking to, to make a step up because I didn't really see ExxonMobil meeting my, my career um, ambitions the way they, they have their, their tracks laid out. And so I was just applying to senior procurement positions or supply chain positions and consulting positions, you know, that's what Rice funnels a lot of its students into is different consulting companies and just applied on their website and just waiting and saw what happened. And McKinsey's procurement practice or their operations practice and specifically procurement within it is growing really rapidly. So they're proactively looking for procurement professionals right now. And they reached out to me. Gotcha. When you, when you were looking at opportunities, did you, and you start, you know, you'd been in, you'd, you know, you stayed at Exxon for for over three years, which I always think is the right move, right? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with getting into a role and establishing your, establishing yourself in business and and um, and building a network and and delivering value to the organization. Um, and if it's you know three years, I don't necessarily know that that's the magic mark, although I think that that's a pretty substantial milestone. You know, as opposed to getting out to a company like uh, working there for a year and then starting over and starting over. So I think staying in a place for three plus years is is a really really good idea. When you started looking around, was were were there other companies expressing interest in you that you that you weren't as interested in, or how did that? What did that look like? Yeah. So the chemical industry right now is really growing. And so I talked Mm -hmm. to a lot of different chemical companies who were looking for supply chain and procurement managers, um, both in Houston, Dallas, and pretty much all over the country. So 
since they're actively growing, they're, they're, they're reaching out pretty proactively. I probably talked to about 15 different companies and got to know them a little bit and decided, you know, you know, whether or not I wanted to continue the interview process with them. I also what interviewed of, with Nintendo. Oh, go ahead. That's pretty cool too. <laughs> with with Nintendo? Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, wow, funny. Um what what were some of the reasons why you you proactively stopped the the interview process? You know, why you know you and I think this is an important point because, you know, when you get three years of business experience, especially in a certain sector or industry, um, then, you know, you have a, a lot of companies have a lot of interest in you. Like I could think, you know, 15 companies and you, you made the decision ultimately not to pursue them or, or perhaps not to walk any further down a, an interview process or whatever it might be. Why were you, why were you ruling out some of those opportunities? It was really a case-by-case basis. Probably the easiest mm-hmm. one was, was compensation, um, where I, I wasn't willing to make a lateral move out of Exxon. You know, it's a great company. I, was, I could have had a really comfortable work-life balance and career there for forever. So if I was going to make a change, it had to be a pretty spectacular change, both as far as how much I thought I would enjoy the job and be able to grow in the job and how much they were willing to compensate me so I set a couple a couple thresholds, and if they they couldn't meet those thresholds, then um, stopped talking with them. Um, another um, factor was kind of the future of the company itself, and and how I mm-hmm. how stable I thought and how successful I thought it would be in the future. Mm-hmm. For example, one company was owned currently by you know private equity investors that you know a huge a huge firm. And they were hiring me to be, I don't know, like a supply chain person at one of the new plants that they bought. But they couldn't guarantee me that I would keep my tie to the, the parent company, the equity company, or once mm-hmm. they sold it in two years, I'd be stuck at this plant in Albuquerque, you know? So that mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't really willing to, to jump on board that, even though it would have been really cool to work for a company like that. Um so yeah, just just things like that, making sure that there was a future there, where yeah. where I thought I'd, where I'd be happy. Can you speak to your mindset? I think this is a fascinating topic. Can you speak to your mindset as you were looking to make a transition from your current company into another company? How you were feeling in terms of you know nervousness or unknown, as opposed to maybe you can contrast how you were feeling in January or perhaps December of 13 or in mid-January 14 before you actually came to the career conference. You know, because in, in the point that I'm trying to make, or at least what I would like to hear you explore with me is, you know, when you're leaving the military, making this, you know, practically unknown leap into a world that you're relatively unfamiliar with, as opposed to, I've been working at Exxon for three years, I've got accomplishments. I've built, started to build a resume. And so you weren't in a rush. You had the freedom mm-hmm. to, to say no to companies. I mean, I just feel like the mindset is so different. And maybe you can explore that with me. Oh, it's, it's completely different. You know, when you're getting out of the military, you submit your resignation and the decision's made. And then you've got to find a job or, or else. So, yeah. I mean, Cameron Brooks was great in taking a lot of stress out of that equation that could have been there. 
um, just because of, you know, the success that you guys have in setting people up with jobs. Um, but it's still kind of really, really nerve wracking and terrifying whether or not mm-hmm. you're going to get, get a job. Like it's not even, am I going to get a job that I like? It's, I'm, am I going to get a job? <laughs> and sure. so, you know, at, at Exxon, like I said, I didn't dislike my job or hate it or anything. It was comfortable, um, easy. I was compensated fairly. And so I really could just, like you said, take my time. And like, really, the only reason I really even started applying to jobs is because I was bored. And so I wanted to find something where I wouldn't be so bored. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and just, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, yeah, just, just being able to pick what I, what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what do you, I know you're, you're new to your new company here, but what do you, what's the day to day for you? Is, are you on a plane going to the clients? Is everyone in the, in the Colorado Denver area? To, what, what is, what does day to day look like for you nowadays? Well, right now I'm waiting to be staffed on a project um, and doing lots of training. So the first month at McKinsey is a lot of new hire uh, training, how, how to, be a consultant, how to use all of the McKinsey tools available for you when you are on a project. So doing a lot of in-person and online training and just talking to people, talking to people and starting to try to build my network both here in Denver and at the other offices through the different um, practices that I'm affiliated with. Um, But once I do get staffed to a project, it will not likely be in Denver. It could be anywhere. And I'll probably be on a plane Monday through Thursday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty exciting. Now, hopefully, some of your engagements will be in local, right? Where you're not maybe, and not that being on a plane Monday and Thursday is necessarily bad, but will you have any local engagements as well? There are some on the list coming up. Um, like there's one that's a combination between Dallas and Denver. So a lot of the operations practices. Uh, clients are their majority energy, oil, gas, natural um, energy sources, renewable sources. So a lot of that um, falls in, in Texas for obvious reasons. But there's there's a lot local in Colorado, too. Yeah. Um, let me change gears on you here a little bit. Let me Let me hear about what you're working on professionally. Are you are you plugged into uh, any podcast or are you doing any reading right now? I'm sure with, with, you know, learning the ropes at a new company, that's, in, that's um, uh, taking a lot of your time, but what, what else are you up to? Um, most of my professional development that I've been working on has been through the company, just because there are so many resources here for professional development um, so I've basically been browsing and reading through the, the different resources that we have here, listening to the different uh, podcasts and reading the different blogs that we have going on here, just trying to keep abreast of, of what McKinsey's doing and, and where it's going. So I'm, I'm more familiar with it. And, um, yeah, there's, there's a ton. The, um, like the Women's Leadership Network has its own basically think tank here for for developing women leaders and publishing lots of books so I've been reading a lot of their books um, it's like how great women leader I'm blanking on the title but it's it's a really interesting read so I've been reading a lot of McKinsey publications and you mentioned a podcast as well I'm from I'm familiar or at least aware of some podcasts that 
McKinsey publishes, but are these public that you're listening to or are these more internal employees' uh, uh, material and media? Um, a combination of both. And I don't know if podcast is, is the exact term, but based because I don't think it's like a regularly scheduled thing, they, they post a lot of, of stuff where people talk about what they're working on and, and what's kind of going on in their industry, like on Facebook and LinkedIn. I, I like those because they're more like a snapshot instead of getting the whole like hour long mm -hmm. digest. Um, and then mm -hmm. if I want sort of the, the longer digest, I'll kind of look it up on the internal um, networks. Gotcha. What, um, what's the, we always like to ask this question as we, as we're working and talking to some of our alumni, what's the best piece of advice you've received lately? And perhaps what's the best piece of advice you've given lately? best piece of advice I've received, and I've received it both from my first supervisor at Exxon and um, here during new hire training, it's play to your strengths. Um, you know, having having opportunities or, or weaknesses is great and, and making them better is, is, is all well and good, but you're going to make your name based on your strengths. You're going to get a lot more bang for your buck by developing your strengths more because they're going to be developed faster than trying to develop your weaknesses. And that's what you're going to get known for is, is what you do really well. So, so continue to do what you, what, what you do really well. And um, the, best, the best opportunity is finding a project that really is based on your strengths, but also has parallels to your weaknesses so you can develop them in tandem. Um, sure. So that, that's the best you know, advice as far as choosing roles or, or looking for, for new jobs that, that I received. And uh, have you had the opportunity to give any advice lately to anyone? Um, I've actually been helping a lot of friends develop resumes and, and interview coaching. Um, mm -hmm. And say, no, I've gone through it a couple times now. And most right. of the advice I give is basically the advice you guys gave us. Um, you know, prepare, um, be ready, <laughs> <Right>. <and> practice. <laughs> Sure. I mean, that's once you do that, once you put in the work and, and really feel comfortable with interviewing, that helps you in, in every aspect of your life. Just being able to talk comfortably with people and being able to, to sell yourself in, you know, whatever situation you find yourself in. Sure. Um, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I think that's right. You know, I, I, I we say this often, but you know, especially after you go through a Cameron Brooks conference and, and go through the, go through even the follow-up interview process, you're just, you know, you, you, you're a good interviewer. You may, you know, those, those skills may, you know, rust and atrophy a little bit over time, but I mean, I, and I'm sure you, you can appreciate this going and going through another interview process three plus years later. I mean, it probably came right back to you, did it not? It, it definitely did. And I, I feel like that, was really my my best attribute in trying to find a new job was that I interviewed really well, just because you know <laughs> yeah. been put through the boot camp of it. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. All right, final final question as we land the plane here, so to speak. If you were to talk to yourself back in, um, you know, again back in let's say January or excuse me December of thirteen, right before you were going to make your transition and give yourself some advice about the transition, what would you say to yourself? Um, I don't like, I, I feel like I did 
went went through the transition really well and, and made good choices. So I would probably just say, don't stress so much about it. You know, you've you've done the work. You've you've got people looking out for you. You know, whether it's the the Cameron Books people or your friends and family, you've got the support system you need, and you're going to make good decisions and and come out, you know, in a good place. It's such good advice. It, it might be the same advice that you were giving to yourself as you were as you were looking <laughs> as you were leaving Exxon and going to to McKinsey. The, mm-hmm. the difference, though, and you said it earlier, the difference is in one you had a submitted resignation, and so obviously the pressure is just naturally higher. Like I'm about to be unemployed. I've got to find a meaningful. I've got to find a meaningful career here, as opposed to I'm not in, unemployed. I can take my time. So. But I think the advice is still the same. Trust in your preparation. Trust in your skills. You know, you, you bring value to wherever you're going to go and whatever you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kristen. I really appreciate the time. I was really, I am and was really excited to chat with you and catch up with you. And I was anxious to hear how your transition went, Not you know, not only previously when you initially transitioned from Navy, but in your recent transition from Exxon to McKinsey. So I uh, really appreciate you taking some time and sharing some Pearl's wisdom about uh, what you're up to. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the opportunity to visit with you today. Uh, no problem, Pete. I'm, I'm always happy to help. Cameron Brooks was, was there for me when I needed you guys and I'm happy to, to be there for, for you guys and other veterans as they make their transition. Excellent. Thanks so much, Kristen.